1: 'Cause I can I can already sense Kempy as he's already got that kind of like oh, you know, like hopefully he sorted his game out. Like it's it's not Sir Richie Smash when him. it's not Sir Richie when you're out there with Daggy. It's, it's can I bury this guy? How 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 many steps can I outdrive him? How many yards can I put this ball by? Him?
2: No, hey, I'm not calling him Sir, I'm gonna say, Yeah, boy, come on, let's go
1: knew it. Well my question of the day that I was curious because what are we? with Wednesday now, and we've still got wall to wall coverage on um, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II's passing. Obviously, it's a real process with uh, King Charles III, and his coronation's not for like a year or so, but there's a whole process of the mourning. It's very, very, very formal. Like, there's different stages of public mourning. The uh, body is being taken through Scotland, and it just. I didn't expect to still be thinking about it on Wednesday, but it did, and it got me going. And I want to know, who is New Zealand's sporting royalty to you? Like, who is New Zealand's sporting royalty? And yesterday, Lisa Carrington was officially made a dame, and I know that lots of people would probably have her right up there. She's our most successful Olympian ever. She actually made a comment that to, to be made a dame officially with uh, Queen Elizabeth II's pitch is still on the wall. Where it happens is quite a quite a cool moment for her right at the end. Obviously, that won't be there for much longer. Um, sporting royalty, we, it's a term we say all the time. Kempe, you have so many examples of Kiwi League legends, and everybody has their own version of sporting royalty. But let's limit it to New Zealanders, and your number one, top-of-the-pops sporting royalty, and, and where I was going is he was, lots of people would consider... Uh, Sir Richie as sporting royalty for his services throughout the years. Not you today when you're blasting it off the tee, putting it by him <laughs> by 30 yards. But what do you think? 8833 0800 Who is top of the pops on top of the throne, your New Zealand sporting royalty? Talk to us. Tim in Christchurch. Who is it for you, buddy? Good, good. Who you got? Uh, well, I reckon it's too easy if uh, you yeah,
2: just get, name someone like Richie McCall, you know, two World Cups, one-on-one on one foot. But um, I think that someone who's completely overlooked all the time and should be right up
3: there is Eugene Beerman and the City Kickboxing team, you know, like to take on the whole world the way they have, deliver two world titles, guys fighting for the titles, guys in the top five uh, with massively limited resources compared to their
2: competitors, I think that they should be uh, held up in the highest thresholds. Oh, love that. Love that. You got you got me going there. You got me going. Nice, Timmy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sharp work, Tim. You're right. Someone that probably doesn't get the credit they deserve. Joe, you're in Gizzy. Who do you have?
3: Mate, we got got uh, Sir Ian Kirkpatrick, 133 caps for the All Blacks, uh, 33 tests, went on so many tours. He's, uh, he's Poverty Bay, uh, Taita Fiti Royalty down here, and then you've got... Uh, Sir Stacy Jones, greatest warrior ever to be uh, to play for the Warriors and the Kiwis. He led them, you know, the lowest men on the paddock with the biggest ticker. And uh, Sir Richard Hadley, people who stood up, you know, on the world stage, and that man led it, him and ch- him and Chaps. But uh, yeah, yeah, those, those are the boys that, uh, for me, when I grew up, you know, you looked up to, and uh, whatever sporting code you were playing. But our local man, Sir Ian Kirkpatrick, he's uh he's royalty for us right here
1: in Taita
2: Amazing. Beautiful. Kirk well, said. great to see Kirky on the sidelines, uh, Hawks Bay Magpies. He actually surprised them down there for the Ramford Shield, jumped on the bus and went down. So awesome. Man, some good names coming through. Where do you start? Just really put perspective perspective how much success we've had on the big stage.
0: Kempi, who you got? Yeah, well, I think Joe makes a good point. I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, I don't want to talk about today's um, legends. No, I call them legends apart from royalty, more um, than royalty. But when I was growing up, the yeah, p- people like John Walker, I didn't know that John Walker's best mate was my dad's brother. I only found that out recently. Um, and I used to watch John Walker because I used to have long blonde hair and was, you know, 14 kilos wringing wet when I was a kid something that something happened. Um, But he was just an absolute legend. The other one was Sid Going for me. I I used to love Sid Going. Absolute legend. And still think that he's probably the best halfback that I've ever seen play the game of Rugby Union. Um, Because in my head, when I used to watch it, he was fantastic. Um, Precious McKenzie was another.
1: Yeah, right. Precious
0: McKenzie, like that little man lifting all that weight. I thought, whoa, he's... He's pretty strong, um, but my ultimate was when I was um, fourteen, sitting in the changing rooms. Top of the crown. Top of the crown is Kurt Sorensen, so oh. he was covered in, o- covered in ice. He had a pair of beaten up shoulder pads on, There's blood mm-hmm. and dirt and grit, and he's he's you know an angry looking man. And I was just like, man, you're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> you're my hero. <laughs> so Kurt Sorensen for me. Beautiful
2: man, there's some great names and some legends coming out. Look, I've collated uh, about 20 here, but uh, the top of the pile, the first one that sprung to my name, this might be controversial because he's always coming out and saying, Look, he's a bit feels disrespect. But is he Sanya? lately with what he's been able to do uh, on the big world stage and just holding down that title? But uh, some other names, J Mac, you got Stephen Adams, you got Carrington Dixon, Scotty Dixon, you got Sir Peter Blake. Peter Blake with what he did in America's Cup and sailing. Coots, another controversial one. But Jonah Lomu. Jonah mm. Lomu for me. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. Hands down, Lomu. The way he changed the face of, of rugby from around the world. He was the figurehead to, I reckon, why rugby is what it is today, mate. Everyone in the whole entire world knew Jonah Lomu and the All Blacks. Jonah. Rest in peace.
1: Yeah, is a great one. And I think there's always a bit of a mystique. When you talk about the royalty and that kind of, that one name, there's always a bit of a mystique about them or, you know, gone too soon or never saw, didn't quite have the life that we always expected and Jonah it kind of ticks that box, gone way too soon and, and an ultimate legend who lives on, right? Uh, Mark Graham, says an unnamed text to Kempe.
0: Oh, of course, Mark Graham's right up there, right up there in the same era where I used to watch all that great Kiwi team... Um mate through Gary Prom, James Louoi, Fred Arcoy, Graham West mm. in that in that bunch as well, you know. Bruce Agall e. from Inglewood. Mate, toughest toughest guy I've ever seen. Ring and wet. Mm. Probably ninety kilos playing in the front row up against the palms. Unbelievable.
2: Oh man, there's plenty in there, Kimpy. Like One's come through, Dame Valerie Adams, yeah, I her head dame. Valerie Adams on my list, uh, mate, with what she's done in shot Um, But there's so many when you, when you just put it down. When you start thinking going through them, you got James McDonald, J-Mac, what he's doing in the racing world. There's another one there for Sir Peter Blake uh, from Markey. He loves rugby, but what Sir Peter Blake did for America's Cup and, and racing, uh, yacht racing in New Zealand, just only bigger. But just quickly going back to your news on AJ and Tyson Fury there, Louis and Kempi. This is a this is a uh, obviously a big fight, big fight. But mate, hey, this is a challenging fight for for AJ. AJ loses again. That's three straight. What does this do for AJ? If he does, and I reckon he's going to lose too. I reckon Tyson Fury will will just outbox him and outclass him. But if he gets if he loses this, obviously he's going. If he wins it, he's back. He's back in the reckoning to go and chase down Ulser and try and get those titles back. But if he loses. He's bottom of the food chain, isn't he? is not he? he? must be pretty much close to go. three and a three straight. That's that's big in boxing terms,
0: mate. I think what I think why Tyson wants to go AJ first, Usyk next, is that he's going to give AJ a bit of a telling and then just call Usyk out and say, right now, give me all those mm. bouts. You got no choice because I've beaten the same guy. Let's get it on. So. Um, I think I think that's in the back of Tyson Fury's mind is that he would like to hold every belt up, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, I, man, he's too cumbersome. I can't see AJ in a fight with Tyson Fury because he's too cumbersome. He's just going to pick him off and outbox him.
1: The, uh he did want he did want Usyk. He wanted Usyk. He wanted Usyk, yeah. and mm. Usyk wasn't keen <laughs> for natural reasons. What do you reckon? Well, was he
2: ke- was he He's trying to say he wants to hang out with his family and he's he's been in the gym for two years. But realistically, is he a little bit worried about the Tyson? Of course he is, but... Oh, and
1: I guess he, well, it's hard to know. Like Usyk seems like such an interesting character. It's kind of he doesn't it, the, the normal things don't seem to drive him. So I don't really. It's hard to get into his psyche. But as far as Anthony Josh Anthony Joshua goes, it's a great question. Look, it looks like his tick has been gone for a long time. It actually looks like he lost his mind a wee. But after that latest fight, he goes in there loses to Tyson. Which let's be honest, there's a very good chance he will. Where does that put him? Is he well Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz are fighting. So there's wow. the winner of that that becomes available. Um, what about a, a Ruiz Joshua trilogy? What happens when Joe Parker and Joe Joyce? What happens to the loser of them?
0: The heavyweight the heavyweight yeah. competition is ab- absolutely racked up at the moment. You know, Dante yeah. and Wilder's coming back. Fury's decided to come out of retirement. Josh was battling to get back in the ring. Usyk just owning yeah. them. You know, as a light heavyweight. Because I, mean, I think I, I can't see for the life of me Usyk being um, Fury. He's too know. big, Ken P, isn't he? Like when well, he, he, he can box. The thing with Fury is not big. He can box. Like when you're mm. watching the when you're watching the boxing, you're watching Joshua cumbersome lumbering into him. You know, like just I'm trying to hit yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, Fury's going to hit him. Hundred percent. Fury's going to mm. hit him. So yeah, I, I think that's the fight that. Oh well that's a fight I want to see. I, I like Usyk. I think he's a, he's an absolute champion. But I want to see Tyson Fury fight him.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. No, Chris has come through. I'm <laughs> just laughing at Chris's message on the text machine. The great Sir Izzy Dag, leader of the One Eyes. <laughs> no, mate, that <laughs> one. one you think
0: you think that one's good? You think that one's good? Here's a better one. Here's on. a better. Here's a better one from Mark Kempe. As long as he doesn't pick South. <laughs> <laughs> Tip the salves. You tipped them
2: yesterday, Kim.
1: It's too it, late, Mark.
0: On. I've Don't,
2: done it, brother.
1: Salves to win it. he uh, Ke- <laughs> says, Sir Richard Hadley uh, paddles absolutely. Yes. Imagine bombing a golf ball at him as well. The disrespect to the crown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sporting royalty has to be Hitro Okasene for me. Yeah, Richie. Hittro Hytro- Hytro- Yeah, Hittro yeah.
0: Okasene. still up in England, living up in Cumbria, married to an English girl, another one um of those Kiwis. That went up there and didn't come home, um, like the great SKD. <laughs> Mate, a, yeah. I don't think he'll ever come home either. Yeah, after 342 first grade appearances, former Roosters and Kiwi stalwart Sean Kennydale is still going strong. Better than strong actually. He's thriving and this year was even named in the twenty twenty two Super League Dream Team after carving it up for Hulkingston Rovers. He's thirty five now, but showing age is just the number for the modern athlete. Signing on for another year in the top grade in the UK. Sean is on the line now. Kilda brother.
4: Kilda, brother, keep me. Not many. Is he saying no, boys? <laughs> hey, we're, good. <laughs> we're good. How are you, bruv? Oh, awesome, brother. Awesome. Still, uh, yeah, enjoying it over here in the UK. It's been really good, mate. You got another year up there, Sean. Take us through this year. I, I hear,
0: I, I hear that you also got named as captain of the All Star team.
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, mate, it was a pretty good year. I've, I've really been enjoying it over here. Um mate, it was an awesome experience with your man Carl Hall over there in the All Stars, and mate, there's a, a good bunch of um, you know expats over here that come from you know New Zealand, Australia. So to be able to, you know, connect with those boys and, and play against England at a touch-match intensity, um, bro, it was a primo, yeah, it was an honour to, to run out and lead the boys out, so... Um. Like I said, bro, really enjoying the game over here. It's, um, it's a bit of a different style of rugby league, and uh, I think it just suits my game. So, um, mm. but I'll keep going until the wheels fall off and until they keep paying me, bro, <laughs> so I'll stay over here as long <laughs> as I can.
2: 35, Sean. 35, mate, oh, and okay. you're not looking January, like you're slowing th- down. Th- oh, okay. 34, i okay. okay. 35 in January.
4: <laughs> nah, nah, look, 34, like said, no. but you're still
2: going, bro. How like, have yeah, you yeah, been able to stay in the game
4: for so long? Oh, I think uh, you just learn to manage um, your body a bit better when you get older, like obviously mm. um, all the sports science and, you know, eating and recovery and all those things you pick up along the line, but then be able to do it and um, mate it good. Like I said, I think it's a different game, probably not as, um, you know, physical and, and, you know, physically demanding as the NRL, but, mate, it's still tough and, you know, I pride myself on looking after my body and my preparation and just getting it, getting it right week in, week out, so... But I've had a good run, no injuries, and like I said, still really enjoying it.
2: Mate, the transition from the NRL, you played 342 games in the hardest competition, well, going in in the game of league, and you've gone over to the UK. What's that transition been like, bro?
4: Bro, it was really hard the first year. Mate, I played, like, cucks on the first year. It was really tough, like, (laughs) just um, adapting to the lifestyle, but it was in the, the middle of COVID too, so when that first hit, so... I was away from the whanau, over adjusting to a different culture. But once you get settled and um, my missus come and join me over here and made, I made a life for myself and, you know, feel at home now and adapted to the game and, um, you know, got a good people around you and you get to get to know the game a lot better. And like I said, it's just um, fallen into place over the last few years and really started picking up my game on, on the personal level as well. Hey, Sean, have you been watching much
0: of the NRL this year? What about your old teams? Uh, how do you think they've gone? Newcastle, Sydney City?
4: Oh yeah, I, I always love watching the Roosters and and Newcastle as well, and I, just the NRL in general. We still keep an eye on it, and um, mate, love love watching league. It doesn't matter where it is, bro. I just love love watching it. But mate, it's been good. Oh, mate, it's been a wild wild final series with the Roosters there the other day, and the <laughs> Simpinnings and all the boys going hard. So I enjoyed enjoyed watching that. Yeah.
2: You are it. A- you would have just loved sorry that. Can, that
4: the Kiwis are going to miss them, in the World Cup for the first three games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Bruh, you would have loved that. I remember you running around for the Roosters, being a little thug on the outside of the centres. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would have been right in there, wouldn't you? I
4: just run the muck, bro, start it, and then run back out to the wing, <laughs> let all the boys do it with it in the middle. <laughs> oh, but man. No, was, it, eh? That's why the boys play it, eh? When you love playing finals on unfortunately we didn't make the finals over here this year so um, now I've been watching on closely and that's what I love seeing the boys go around but just just quickly
2: the, everyone loves playing in the NRL um, and, and that is the the pinnacle when you're when you're leaguey but do you feel like the competitions over in the UK and Europe are starting to make some gains and they're getting a real strong influence from overseas players
4: oh I think oh heaps of NRL players make the make the journey over now there's some real quality yeah. players, and I think, mate, they probably don't get a rap for, you know, how talented and, and physical they are over here, because once you're in it, you, you know, like I said before, it's still one of the toughest physical games that you can play in, in league, and uh, it definitely shows in the Super League, and there's some, mate, there's some awesome players here. Mate. So, um yeah, I, I think the, the gap is bridging, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how the England team goes at the World Cup, because, um, you know, it's a lot of up-and-coming nations now, all the, mm. all the, you know, Pacific Island teams, and, mate, I think it's, think it's good for the game, you know, just I think it's not as you know widespread as as, as his game and rugby union. So I think you know it's only good the more that um you know that sort of talent and and level of league is played across the world.
0: Mate, you haven't found one of those little nations, have you, to have another run around in the World Cup? Is there been, <laughs> has, has there been much buzz about the
4: about the uh, World Cup up there? Oh no, there is. I think the whole league for obviously got put back a year, so um you know they've had plenty of excitement and. You know, build up to, to this year, and mate, I think everyone here can't wait to get out and you know watch the games. And you know, I might find a bit of Irish heritage coming up soon, bro. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can
2: imagine it, bro. I can imagine if you're still running around carving up over there. I'm sure a team would love to have you. Mate, a team that's close to your heart, the Kiwis. Probably the yeah yeah the, bro. A, a, the first year in a long time I've been excited for what I saw in that Tonga series earlier on in the year. Mate, going forward to the World Cup, we've got a genuine chance hey, with that squad. Does oh, that straight up! You?
4: Oh, massively. Just look at um, I think the spine too of the boys they got there with um, mm. you know Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown, and then oh you probably got the the biggest forward pack. You know the Mongols going at it. You saw Jared and Big Nelson <laughs> going at it a few weeks ago, and mate, they just got you know a lot of depth too. So it's really exciting. I think you know they they must be close to favourites of for, to win the World Cup. I'll be following them over here, bro, and, and you know, I can't wait to go and watch all the boys, and you know, hopefully they can get it done. Mate, we talk a lot about,
0: yeah. um, Shawnee, we talk a lot about the journey in football, and you've got a pretty interesting story yourself, mate, when you, you took it upon yourself to head over to Sydney. Can you just tell us how
4: you actually got started in your rugby league journey? Oh, yeah, I just, I was probably 15 or 16, you yeah, growing up in New Zealand, and then I was just speaking to the old man one day, and we just sort of thought, "Hey, bugger it, let's just move to Australia." And you know, there's one NRL team in New Zealand, and there's what 13 and 12 in Sydney, so we just we just made the jump and moved over, and uh, just enrolled in the in the local um, the local team out there in, in the Sydney Roosters area, and, and sort of just got picked up from there. But it was a good journey, bro. You know, making the jump at such a young age to you know, follow my dreams and back my dreams. Oh, you know, I was fortunate that you know my my father supported me and. Um, you know, helped me go over there to set up, but um, yeah, it all worked out in the end. Still going at thirty five. Yeah, <laughs> so it's been it been awesome journey, bro.
2: Yeah, bro, hundred percent. Yeah, just just quickly, I see a lot of people go overseas, and then they like yourself, they 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 struggle at the start, but then they start enjoying it. And then we we lose them. They get lost, and they just end up staying overseas wherever they end up. Mate, what, what's Sean Kenny Dow going to do when he finishes up one day when those those limbs get a bit tired and he wants to park up? Is the game of league still going to have you involved in some sense?
4: No, I'd love to, bro. You know, I think that's a massive, um, you know, goal of mine to give back to the game. I love it so much. That's all I've probably ever done, and all I all I know at the moment. So. You know, to be able to give back, whether it's in um, you know, junior league or back into coaching, um, you know, it's definitely high on my priority list to, to give back to the game. That's been so good to me yeah one more one whether more, you know that's in New Zealand or, or, or Australia I know, I'll go I haven't made my decision yet but you know I'll take ooh. it as it comes but you know it's definitely hold my um, come to priority. the
2: Warriors brother the Warriors
4: want you
0: come yeah, on mate. I was just gonna say that one thing that you could do is come back here to the Warriors mate and give us a bit of that oh. knowledge that you've accumulated yeah, over yeah. the oh, years. hey mate just before we let no, you go sure. give it give it to me once brother give me that bus song come on <laughs> bust it out how many
4: dudes you know roll like this? How many dudes you know blow like this? Not many. Sean Kenny. Not many. Sean Kenny.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, my man. Oh. Uh, just for you, my bro. Oh, I love it, bro. Hey, say yeah, hi. Say bro, hi bro. to all the boys up there. Sean, say oh, hi. To too much, brothers. hey. Him.
4: Awesome to speak to you both, hey.
0: Yeah, awesome. Take
4: care, my bros. You go, you go well, mate. Talk soon. Cheers, See you later, hey. Take care. S E N Z.
1: Oh, Kempi, you finish it off for us, mate. Go how on. many
0: how many bros you know go like this? How many bros you know go like this? Not many. Sean Kenny. Not many. Sean Kenny. That's the only one. Sean Kenny Dow. Oh, the one and only Sean Kenny
2: Dow, mate. What a character. He used to love watching him run around the scenes <laughs> for the Roosters. Mate, he was so good. So good to watch. And just an absolute personality. Just listening to him, have a chat to him. Just down to earth. And just loves it. Loves a laugh, mate. Loved hearing those stories, eh? Loved hearing those stories. So good. Shot for organising that. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, he's he's. It he was tough. And one thing that I th- found interesting, him hearing him talk about there, or both of you, well, all of you talking about the uh, Roosters Rabbits game. Now, but a fallout from this, and it's become a real trend in rugby league. Rugby Union has seen it. We saw Nick White get. Tapped on the nose by Faf de Klerk the other day in the rugby championship and went straight to ground. Players know that they're going to check anything around the head now. So milking, Kempe. The mm. NRL, rugby league always prides itself on this sort of kind of tough, the roosters, we won't stay down, we'll get back up. But it's creeping into the game now because the teams are getting genuine advantage by staying down. How do you
0: clean it up? Yeah, well, how you clean it up is you, t- you get them off the pitch. So if they're going to milk a penalty... Like send them off, like send them off or you know, HIAs or whatever. If you if you're saying, well, I've been hit in the head, well, get off the pitch. You know that's that's mm. one definite way of saying we can't keep, just turn the game into a stop-start affair. Um, you know, back in back in my day, you never stayed on the ground, no, because you know why? Because they called you a cat, and and mm. and bikes would just they'd lean over you and go meow. Meow, like that, and it was just like, no, man, I'm actually knocked out, and you get up, you'd actually get up and say, "Mate, I ain't a cat," you know what I mean? So it was really, yeah. it was governed back in those days by the players, whereas these days, the NRL really need to do something about. It. Now, the South Sydney game and the Roosters game, Louis, it was physical. Mate, there were there were fair, fair, decum shots to the head, Yep. but some of them were, mate, come on, it's a collision game, don't don't mm. just stay down on the ground. And I I think Aaron Wood's right. When he said send him off, like we've been saying that for ages, if you want to go down, get him off.
1: So is he from the player's perspective though, isn't it their right, if you've been hit in the head even no matter how hard it is, that's a penalty by the rules. So they're just trying to make sure that the camera picks it up. And they're just using the tools that are at their feet, which is staying down and slowing the game down to make sure that the game is adjudicated properly.
2: I think, look, it's one of those ones, we don't want the game to slow down, we don't want that, and there's that conversation at the moment with the bunker having too much influence, people outside of the referee and having too much influence, but if they're going to try and keep this alive, they have to have someone that's a, adjudicating all this and, and has a real sense of the game that could maybe get in the ref's ear and say, no, that's fine, play on, or maybe, no, that's that's actually quite bad, you have to go back and check that out. I know they're doing that at the moment, but genuine people that are going to put some real normalisation on us. And just on there uh, on the concussions, it doesn't take much to get a real bad concussion. Like a little knock to the... I've been concussed plenty of times, boys, and it's not nice. All is a little tap on the head and and you're gone, your days and your blurry vision, and, and then you're out for a couple of weeks. Um, so we, we have to put some sense back into that. I, I feel just the... Like safety is paramount and I know we want the game to be fast open and and just flowing but um there's a there's a way to fix that there's a way to fix that and I just thought on the weekend Kim I spoke to you at this on Monday just some of the tackle technique was quite poor like they' were really upright the shoulders straight to the heads those are the ones you can control. The other ones like the forearms to the heads and the banging down on their domes, those are the ones that need to get rubbed out of the game. But mm. in all honesty they just need someone that is watching the game thoroughly that can
0: make the right decision. I don't think
2: um I don't think
0: they have that at the moment. Yeah, when you, when you when you understand tackle technique you can actually see it Um, Mm. see it happening in front of you because you can't go you can't defend a a player at 100 miles an hour when he's running 100 miles at you you can't defend him Mm. at the same pace you have to get your feet really close together and move closer to him before he moves into that space And, of course, what was happening with South Sydney and the Sydney City Roosters, they were just at each other's throats at 100 miles an hour, and that was where the error was was made.
1: How would you get these players to stop milking? Or is it their right to milk if they've been hit in the head because player safety is paramount? Double 0800 150 811, the Kennards, higher phone line.
2: Off the back fence with Tony Kemp.
0: In June 2018, Sport New Zealand announced they would be working with partners to meet a minimum requirement of 40% self-identified females on their boards by December 2021. But New Zealand rugby is set to lose some of its government funding after not meeting the 40% board gender diversity quota. Sport New Zealand said, The organisation has always indicated that there will be implications for non-compliance. And here's where it feels a little like a shakedown. 65 of the 66 organisations targeted by Sport New Zealand have complied with a gender diversity quota. The only sport not to comply is NZR. New Zealand rugby have basically said they will not be dictated by Sport New Zealand. Creating a gender quota for boards is somewhat surprising given that the same hasn't been forthcoming for Māori seats on boards. No quota, no compliance threats, and if you raise the issue, it falls on deaf ears. The simple fact is that Sport New Zealand should not be dictatorial when dishing out funding. Shouldn't it be more important to simply get the right people on boards? People who understand the sport and business rather than base appointments solely on gender. I can tell you of a number of boards that need to get that foundation right. Once again, Sport New Zealand has bullied their policy through. Now I get it. You don't comply. We simply won't share the taxpayers' money with you.
2: Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Crazy, Kempy. I read that article. <clears throat> Sorry, I read that article, and I was thinking, well, shouldn't it just be the best people in that in that time and in, in that position to be able to be on that board? It doesn't matter your colour, your your gender, who you are. You get the right people in the right seats of the bus, and the and the bus will be steered in the right direction. And yeah. I can't. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, yeah, I just can't. It just really baffles me. Uh, some of the situations we have, you, like, you look at, um, you know, what's gone over in South Africa, and you know the quota system there that they have to have within their own teams and things like that. It's just, it's just crazy. It doesn't matter what color, gender, whatever. The best people should be given the best opportunities, and um, yeah. So it's an interesting situation. That's kind of the same thoughts I got from your written piece there, mate.
0: Yeah look look you've got unconstitutional boards operating in sport and getting funding from Sport New Zealand there's no compliance there you know that's really interesting like you've got cycling New Zealand and and all the dramas they're going through that board obviously needs changing there's no compliance there and yet we get this and when I was reading the same article I thought it does it does sound like you are being dictated to by saying like if you don't do it you ain't getting the taxpayer's dollar and I feel that yeah. that is a is stepping across the line, you know. And good old New Zealand Rugby for saying, "Hang on, we like I look, I'm not I'm not sexist at all. I think if it's a woman, it's think that's great. If it's a man, it's great. If it's male, yeah. it's great. But shouldn't it be around the foundation of what that board looks like to make sure that the sport is successful?
1: Kempi, I found it interesting that they were the only one of the. Uh Organizations that hasn't now does that mean that and obviously New Zealand rugby is the biggest by far. They've got they've just signed this three hundred and whatever million dollar Silver mm. Lake deal. Does that mean that other sports have been held to ransom? Hundred yeah. you, percent.
0: Yeah, you've, you've hit oh. the nail on the head, Louis. They're basically yeah, said if a lot we
2: do
0: You go. You go. Oh,
2: no, I was going to say, a lot of these foundations, they, they struggle for funding. They need they the struggle money. To, they need the money. New Zealand Rugby doesn't need the money. I'm not saying New Zealand Rugby has got the, the board right. I think there needs to be some accountability in the New Zealand Rugby board for, for sure. I think there uh, needs to be a real shake-up, if I'm completely honest, because of the handling of what's going on. But yeah, 100% Kempia and Louis, other, other foundations, other industries, they need the money, so they have to comply. Otherwise, they just won't be able to operate. And they won't be able to, uh, to do the things they need to do.
0: I think the biggest issue is not gender equality, is not Māori um, seats at the table. The biggest mm. issue is integrity within sport. Now, you can't have the top dictating what we're doing down through the through the, the grassroots, for instance, um, and having unconstitutional boards, having boards that are dysfunctional. You know what I mean? There is just no integrity in that. And... This this for me is a smokescreen, you know. And but what they've done is they've actually come out and said, "But unless you do this, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna uh, pay for it by not getting any funding from us." Now, you don't have that right. It's not your money. Yet we've got people now saying, "Oh no, we'll dictate to you what you do, and you do it. Otherwise, you don't get the funding." I think that's wrong.
2: The Wallabies might have had to accept. The Bledisloe Blues over the last couple of decades, whilst the All Blacks have been at the peak of their powers, but it's worth noting, it hasn't always been that way. Actually, the last time the Bledisloe was played as a midweek fixture was 1994, and in those days, the Aussies were more than dangerous.
1: Wilson.
4: it
2: was Gregan. A truly outstanding game, sweet revenge for Australia, a cut for Bill Kearns and the Wallabies still number one in the world despite the All Blacks' resilience and passion. I don't know about the commentary, I just watched the replay before and man there was some one odd commentary in that. Anyway, so 28 <laughs> years on, can possibly muster the spirit of their famous 90s side? Would be brave to write them completely off. Graham Bishop was there in Sydney back in 94 nine for a rocket pass. He had a great career for the All Blacks before heading off as one of the earliest Kiwi pioneers to ply their trade in Japan. He's with us on the line now. Morning Graham. Good morning. The memories come flooding back when you heard that audio. We obviously had to play that, that little uh moment at the end of the game when Goldie, Wilson, the great one, gets it knock knocks it on over the line, mate. Did you rip into him after that?
3: Oh, not really I think, cause, because we played so well <laughs> and lost, but you know, it was just, just the way it went and but it was a it was a great game to be involved in and a long time ago, so it's hard to remember a lot of the stuff that went on, but yeah. <laughs>
2: Mate, what what were the memories? Like you just said, it was a long time ago, but there'd be surely some memories. It was a back and forth game, 2016, the final score. But, mate, what were the memories? And what was it like playing a midweek test? We've obviously got one tomorrow night.
3: Oh, I don't think the um, – well, when you're playing the Wallabies, it doesn't really matter what day you're playing. But the biggest thing I, I remember was preparing for a night match because – we played all our tests in the afternoon, so just preparing for a night match. You know, you go through, you, you know, you have to go through the day and try and fill in the day. So that was the biggest yeah. thing for a lot of the guys.
0: Hey, Graham, what uh, what made that Australian side so good?
3: Well, I think it was the start of uh, when they won the ninety one World Cup when we had guys like um, Horn and Little were would, would just coming on back then, and then and then. Right up to 94, that's when they had a lot of experience in the team. and um, So they were probably at, at their peak. And then in 95, 95, up, they dropped off. So, And that's where we, we were just starting to build. And I think the end of that 94 season was the beginning of what you saw in 95 as, as a style of rugby we wanted to play. And that's why that game was um, pretty pretty fast. And um, we wanted to play, play to our, our strength. And that was... Giving the backs quick ball,
2: front foot ball. Mm. Mate, you play 31 games for New Zealand, the All Blacks. You've played a ton of rugby. But what is it? What is it about the Splitterslow Cup? You know, what, why is the Splitterslow Cup so revered? And what were your memories of that? It was a tough time, obviously, for for the 90 All Blacks. It was, you know, Aussie were dominating and they held the trophy for so long.
3: I just think it's just the history of the two countries, and I, I think you know because they are neighbours, and it's always been been like that. And um, yeah, it's just and and the Blazley goes back a long way, so it's just um, you just don't want to want to give it away.
0: Yeah. No, no, we don't. Mate, they're, they're, they're obviously playing, <laughs> and I enjoy drinking out of it. I enjoy drinking out of it. Too, oh too. dear. <laughs> okay. Jeez, I hope, <laughs> hope they've. Uh, hope they've cleaned that big thing out. Hey, so yeah, they're playing. They're playing an Aussie. Graham. What? A, what is it about playing Aussie and Aussie? What's the crowd like? What, what do you remember about that?
3: Oh, as you know, there's there's a lot of Kiwis there, so it's um, it's, it's always very vocal, and well back then. You know, there's always a sellout crowd, and it's just very vocal. And, and but the support on both, you know, both sides, the support for the keys, you know, pretty strong as well. So it's just a really great atmosphere to play in. And
2: Mate, what do you think of this this current crop? What do you think of this current All Black side? We're going to touch on it. Um, obviously, we've had good games, we've had bad games. Are you confident we can go over there tomorrow night and get the job done, or are you a little bit wary, like many?
3: Well, the competition's been pretty tight, so I, I think um, you know it's anyone's game. I, I hope the All Blacks get up and win. You know, get get those two wins behind their belt. You know, they've been looking for. So I, I just think it's the competition's really tight, and it's, it's good to see. Really, and and I think we've got the players there. It's just now we know what's going forward to the World Cup. You know, just got to let the guys do their thing and see how it plays out.
2: Yeah. I one man that's doing their thing mate, one man that's it. Doing... Aaron Smith, he's obviously our most capped halfback of all time. Has he got plenty of juice left in the tank for old Smith and what have you made of his career so far? Graham, a fellow halfback
3: Oh, he's been outstanding for the for the jersey and you know you can see his experience in shining through but you know he, and he's um he's probably near the get near the end of his career you know he's um what, in his early thirties. But, he's, he, you know, he's still proven that he's, he's, he's one of the best in the world. And it's good to see he's got some young guys coming behind him that can um, do the job as well.
0: Hey, Graham, you've probably been asked this question a thousand times and, and been an X 5 eight, what, what do you think the All Blacks have to do to win this game? I just think it's like nothing's
3: really changed. You've just got to win those collisions up front, you know, and get front football and, and then let, let, let the backs, you know, do their thing.
2: If,
3: if yeah, that doesn't it's, happen, yet, it's, it's, it's just nothing changes, really.
2: You just got to make your tackles, just win your collisions and in, in front football. Yeah, nail the basics. Really in it. That old adage <laughs> nail the basics and you'll <laughs> go a long way to winning, winning the game. Hey, hey Grant, do, do you look back at your career? Looking at back at your career, how tricky of a call was it to head offshore to Japan at that time? Did you really want to be a part of that 96 side to go back to Africa?
3: Yeah, that's probably one regret I have. But I'd, I'd already signed a contract with Japan in '94, and um, the, the the club over there was was very good to me. So, I, you know, I just wanted to honour that. But I, I, I knew deep down that the boys would go back and win that win that um, series just because we had unfinished business.
2: '94. Yeah, I know John Hart. John Hart was doing the, as all he can to try and get you back. He went to try and get a sign off, but New Zealand Rugby said no. So you had to stay over there, and I was reading you're just cruising around with the Senex president, playing uh, golf and enjoying the life. So you weren't doing too bad, mate. What was the reception like, being an early pioneer, playing overseas and, and representing Japan?
3: Well, when, when I first went, we didn't even have a training field, so the company we went to was just starting up, so 94. Was, so we were training, going from a World Cup, 95, to to something completely different, and that's, that was a challenge for me, just. Very different, and um, and rear game. Japan uh, playing for Japan. Huh? it that was great. You know, I enjoyed the way the Japanese played the, the fast style of game, and you know, it, suits, it suited me. So it was it was good to go and go on tour again and and re- represent another co- country, which was um, a bonus.
2: Well, that yen would have been really strong back then too, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably stronger today. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Hey uh, uh, quickly well, before we let you go there, Graham, what what are you doing these days? Are you still building?
3: Yeah, just myself and my son here. We're just um, cruising around in Crossheads, doing a few jobs here and there, which is um the fun.
0: Do you know how to fix swimming pools? <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah I keep right away from those. Thank you one. Stay away, mate. Yeah, that, uh, this one's leaky for sure, mate. We bit of water. We've had a bit of water here in North Day Christchurch, mate. Graham Bashit, we're going to let you go, mate. I appreciate your time. No doubt, you're just having a wee smoker while your son's doing all the hard work. That's what good bosses do. So thank you so much for joining us. Cheers. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Uh, there is Graham Bashit, Man of uh, a few words, but man, when he was on that field, he did it all. And just one of the early well, pioneers of, of players departing for Japan, and now it's just the norm. Back then it wasn't the norm, but beautiful pass, beautiful player, and did some yeah, some great okay. things in the black jersey. 31 times, and they represented Japan nine times. Mm. Wow, wee.
1: Crazy, crazy to think that's what that era was. And, yeah, one of the earliest guys to go to Japan and play, um, really just head offshore and make a career for himself. I was looking – I've lost the page, but I had up this morning – uh, his family tree, and obviously Stephen Bishop, uh was playing in that game as well outside him. But then there's the Bishop, uh Garden Baship boys. I think they're his nephews. I think they are related. Yeah, we... And yeah, yeah. So there's a, a real kind of Baship was a, a really special name in New Zealand rugby. you. Mm. they go wide and far.
0: Yep, yeah. and uh, yeah. This I, I remember them just being silky smooth. You know, tough. When they needed to get, get their heads in there. But the, that team, I remember back then, that was just on that cusp of them getting onto something really, really good. Um, Walter was in that side. Correct. Walter Little. Yep. And, mate, one, Fancy, of, the, yep. one of the best players, like, I got to play a little bit of football with Walter at the end of my career, I went back and played a bit of rugby. Mate, I wish that guy played rugby league. He, he played outside me in a game, a game of 10s, uh, rugby 10s, and he hit holes. Like one of the best centres I've ever played with, you know what I mean? I, I just remember looking at him going, Bro, you were in the wrong game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trying to poach. They had Johnny Timu on the wing in '94 as well. Yeah, Johnny
2: Timu, good Linus Fan product. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he went to Linus Fahn. He scored most points in the season. I was chasing it down, didn't even get close. And I kicked goals, he didn't.
0: Good dreads. You guys weren't scoring enough <laughs> yeah.
2: tries. <laughs> yeah, not scoring enough tries. Mate, um, yeah, just one of the great teams. Though. You think back then, I was watching um, the Highlands. Well, I was only like five years of age, so I can't really remember. So I had to go recollect and re, re, uh, just re-watch the game and just seeing some greats. You know, Shane Howarth running from the fullback, scored a wonderful try. Then you got Goldie. you've got Michael Jones. If that was that commentary I was talking about, forward pass. That's a forward pass, mate. It was way back by a mile, you one-eyed. <laughs> Aussies Did you um, see that the
1: first play of the game They stuck the big offensive bomb up The big attacking bomb yeah. up And poor yeah. Shane Howell out jumped on his <laughs> I line uh, You knew then yeah. it was going to be a strange old game uh, Come through with your memories Double eight, double three The last midweek low test
3: When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's We wanted to improve on the perfect combo Of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli So we doubled it Chicken and Macca's together and loving it